0: what's up y'all this is jake the resident sound engineer here at street fight radio and also that one rapper guy that they talk about sometimes what you're about to listen to is an unlocked patreon exclusive Exclusive. Exclusive. like those echoes this is a new series that brett has started titled small business tyrants in this series brett will be speaking to various small business owners right who are not complete pieces of shit Surprisingly, he is speaking with Nick Hayes from Means TV on this first episode, and they talk about some pretty cool shit. If you like what you hear, or even if you just want to make sure that I keep a fucking job, then head over to patreon.com/slash street fight radio and become a fucking patron. For a dollar a month, you can get this every week, plus hundreds of bonus episodes that are in our back catalog. We also got a bunch of video content where the boys watch full episodes of various TV shows and comment on how fucking ridiculous they are. Yeah, it's technically maybe illegal, but who gives a fuck? So if that sounds enticing, head on over to Patreon.com slash Street Fight Motherfucking Radio. I know I'm kind of annoying. It's not motherfucking, it's actually just patreon.com slash streetfighteradio. But, yep, that's about it.
1: Hey everybody, welcome to a bonus show that you all don't know about, really. We talked about doing this on the Hellfire Tour, Um, Nick and I... mm, You know we call each other we text each other when we have issues related to money or decisions that the business is going to move in and you know we were doing a little bit more in-depth conversation when we went on the hellfire tour and trailbillies and sams and brian were like y'all really should put this out there and it does seem like a good idea and it's something that you know uh it, there's so much to go into and it isn't a good, doesn't make good entertainment at all. But for anybody that is into this, um, this is the first episode of Small Business Tyrants. As you know, Brian does a majority of the <clears throat> foolishness that gets us the likes and the attention. He's out there online giving you all your entertainment. Uh, and I do most of the spreadsheet, the money, paying the bills, writing the checks, all of that stuff. And a few years ago, I met Nick Hayes. Uh, Y'all know him as the uh, starter, founder of uh, Means TV. You've seen their videos, you've seen them in, uh, seen us in them. We're recording this on September 14th, September 13th, Friday the
2: 13th. Friday the
1: 13th. Yes, <laughs> very spooky. And uh, so, Nick, you know, you already jump in here. Thanks for being here, Nick. I appreciate it. What, t- tell them tell all about Means TV. Some people still don't know. Yeah, so Means TV
2: is a uh, cooperatively owned anti-capitalist streaming service. So in January, we're launching basically like a Netflix that's going to have all sorts of different cool movies, TV shows. Some of them are made by people around the world. Other ones are things we're producing ourselves. And the idea is like to build a sort of cultural media institution that um you know we can all tap into we can all benefit from and um create things for and also see like uh democracy in that see a return on our investment and time in that um so that's kind of the goal of the project
1: (coughs) yeah and uh i mean right now though it's just what's the situation right now what 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 where are we at in the project
2: yeah. So, I mean, right now we are basically spending, me and Naomi spend our days talking with filmmakers, trying to go through acquisition processes. So we're basically acting as brokers where we go and we reach out to filmmakers or production studios who have content that we want to license or acquire. And we negotiate deals with them for, you know, whatever sums of money, preferred shares in the co-op, all sorts of stuff. So it's like, we're doing very like paperworky, brokery stuff all, all day. And then we also work with like a tech partner to figure to make sure our apps and our uh, platform is like on schedule and ready to launch and looks good and is functional. Um, and then we're also developing original programming, which uh, is something we work with Sarah June, who's a producer out of LA, to do. And she, uh, you know, is executing on original shows, original kid shows. Like we have puppet stuff going on. We have animated shows. So we're overseeing script writing, casting, locations, like um budget, all that kind of stuff for original shows too. So it's fucking like all day, every day.
1: Yeah. <laughs> no, that's great. That's good. No, I think that I mean I think that gets people caught up to speed. And now the reason we're doing this is that let's like really drill into it though, in that you're trying to do all of this and you ran a fundraiser and you said you needed a half million dollars to do it 500,000 correct which for everything you just described is not enough <laughs> <laughs> i mean yeah. it's the the biggest challenge when you're that i found you know when you're dealing with people that you want to be your customer that you want to spend money with you is Mm -hmm. that they do not have an actual understanding on how much it costs to get things done um whether that's like licensing through businesses whether that's getting insurance on stuff um and how much it actually costs for someone to sit down and take a big pile of video and audio and make it into a show or something uh yeah definitely so you, you ended up with – how much did you end up raising with your fundraiser?
2: Right now we have $130,000, which includes all of our monthly donations. And we, on average, are making about six dollars to $8,000 in monthly donations each, each month additionally. That's great. So, yeah, it fucking rules. Like it's incredible. It's like having that monthly income has been critical and like expanding our team, figuring out how to – do more social media operations to like finance other sorts of fundraising initiatives, like merchandise and stuff. Um, so it's, it's giving us like a ton of breathing room, but yeah, I mean, it's like, we're like, we're, it's insane. Like Naomi and I are always talking about just how insane it like we're licensing feature films for like $1,500. You know what I mean? Like we're, we're having to build relationships and build trust with people in like a really intense way because we just have no capital, Um, and it's also like, you know, I'm amazed we were able to raise as much money as we have. And like, as many people have bought into the mission, like it's really cool to me. It's just like, we are as the left, like a very, I think we're small and like, we have to part of the project and part of what we're all trying to do is just expand our reach, whether that's on social, you know, in physical spaces, like you guys on tour, like all sorts of different things.
1: Yeah, that's true. Um, it, uh I mean there's there's a, a lot of different ways to attack this thing and you know there is a lot of open opportunities but to compete with these larger platforms um it takes an incredible amount of money and uh you know re- relying on people's donations and like the kindness of people that believe in you I mean that for me, I mean, it it becomes it can become a problem from time to time. Like, you know, it's I really want to give people value for their money. Um, even right now, because <clears throat> I promised I would talk about Street Fight Business, like we are way behind on our zines, um, just like several months behind. And I'm trying to do everything I can to catch them up. And the sex zine really stumbled us because it's about a really, it's about a very intimate topic that I didn't... <laughs> I was going to have – I was going to say that in front of, like, thousands of people, you know?
2: There's a lot of, like, editorial approvals for the sex scene. <laughs> yes,
1: and I had to make sure – I had. I actually sent it through to a friend of mine to find any sort of, like, <clears throat> transphobia, fatphobia, like, any of the – like, they, we had to run it through that, um, which it was fine. I mean, I, I covered all my bases, but – I also want, it's also something where I just know I said something wrong or stupid already or missed something, and I am i don't know. It's just going to be hard. I think it's going to be one of those projects where I just put it out, and if I ever see someone responding about it, I will just delete it and never look. <laughs> That's the move, dude. Unless, if it's, yeah. <laughs> just apologize. <laughs> move I'll on. just say, I'm sorry I <laughs> attempted that. And, yeah. uh, I won't do it again. Thank you. I put you down on the list of people that want me to stop talking about my sex life.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I always try to tell people like the same sort of thing. Like we're going to fuck up so many times. Like we're going to put out a video that you like, that isn't funny to anybody or yeah. like that. Is, uh, smart. Yeah. Or whatever. Like, but it's like, it's our, we have to also kind of explore what people fuck with and what they don't and like push Boundaries where we can and see what we can get away with like so I just try to like always tell people like you're you know if you don't like something we do, we do just let us know like we're trying all sorts of different things you know like it's not a reason to like feel like we're suddenly not the thing you thought we were it's just like we're trying all sorts of different stuff here trying to like reach as many people as we can with like this message you know
1: yeah man you got let's get into this some of this shit man you're working you are collaborating with a lot of different people which can be challenging because i mean as le- as the left i mean in any sort of arena whether it's actual political organizing whether it's on the internet there is a lot of different parties and thoughts and ideas of people that are involved with these kind of politics um so you're dealing with you're just, you're just dealing with the I, I i guess just like a huge a a huge volume of people that all have their own thing and you have to then like manage it all and I have to do that with the zine too and it it's just very challenging because as you keep going you're like sifting through people and I hate to treat it like that but you just have so much interest and in so many people that come in that want to do something and then they just disappear or like they can't execute on something and and so when you do find those reliable folks you know like uh Dave or Lurmworm, uh for me like those those people I just rely on them to get things done and they know the me- they know the message they know how things work and you know I I can trust that things will get done knowing that they're involved, you know, same with, yeah, uh, like, obelisk too.
2: Right. And it's like, that's why communicating with you has been so helpful over the last like two years, trying to start a business with no money uh, and do it in like a cooperative way. It's like, you know, you've put me on to people like Zach Kerwin who's in a fantastic animator. Like you've already been building a lot of the connections and stuff. And so it's like, you know, we've been trying to foster new relationships too, but it's been nice to just be able to like ping back and forth and be like, this person actually does what they say they're going to do, you know, and have kind of a, have resources like that. But yeah, I mean, the biggest thing is just like, it's so, there's so everything's moving so fast, especially when you have no money. And it's like, you're doing fundraising, you're doing content purchasing, you're doing, you know, uh, legal liability stuff. Like there's all these different factors. And so it's like, if you hire a person to do something and you, especially if you pay them and they don't do it, it's like, there's nothing you can really do about it. You just have to like move on and try to not work with that person again.
1: Yeah, I know. I mean, there's a lot of belly aching when that shit, if you like put a down payment on something and they disappear and like, yeah, I mean, it's a, they, they tell you a reason why they couldn't come through with it and you're not happy, but like, you can't just sit down and be like, shit, their business is ruined. You know, like you can't, you know, you just have to keep going. Like you have to make more money. Uh, you know i uh i kind of consider i just kind of had a change of pace this year um once we started talking about doing the hellfire and tour stuff where you know uh we were trying to we we're talking about trying to get our own spot like our own headquarters at the venue and stuff like that and uh, you know trying to save money for that but i'm just such so terrible at it i'm actually just better at like making money like i can just feed the business with my ideas to get more money coming in and I can, or I can come up with something, you know, like like T-shirts that do I know make money and just go through the process. And now I've done it so many times that I can, you know, move the timeline faster and faster and, and keep moving through them, you know?
2: Yeah, and I feel the same way. It's like, they're really just like focusing your labor and your attention on just like making this organization money has been what Naomi and I have tried to do. And I think that's been extremely helpful and how we've like a big part of how we've gotten to the amount of money we have. I remember when we first like kind of blew up after the AOC ad and everybody was like real hyped on it. And we had like people kind of around us that were like, you guys have to do this. You guys have to do this. And we went and tried to get an office space thinking we needed an office space. And the rent was like $2,500 a month, which is like, like fucking crazy. Like I cannot imagine if I'd live there. We had an space. For that and it was like a, Right. It was a big ass office. And uh, it had this like, it was like a law firm before, but it was like real cool and industrial, but they had like carpet and shit. So we, before we moved in, we asked the, uh, the like, uh, not the owner, but the property manager, if we could rip up the carpet and just like polish the concrete floor. And he was like, yeah, sure. Whatever. And then we started doing it And the owner of the building walks in and he's like, what the fuck are you doing? And we were like, like literally with a Home Depot buffer, like ripped up all the carpet already, just like buffing the shit out of this concrete floor. And he's like, the people downstairs have it in their lease that there has to be carpet above them. Like, you have to put all this back. Like, what the fuck? So we wound up getting in this weird, like legal stalemate with them where it was like, okay, you guys can keep our deposit, but we're not, like we're back. You know, it's like this weird.
1: (laughs) Get out of here. You exactly yeah. like your like problem. Like <laughs> you, you own this place i don't give a fuck about it i'm gonna back away slowly
2: right yeah it was wild uh and he acted all pissed off like we hadn't gotten permission but we had that just was like miscommunications on their end but anyway it was uh that was wild like we got out we we got out of it basically like <laughs> like if we'd had that lease, we would have been like uh you know, in the red within three months, just completely out of money. Like just with a bunch of office furniture, (laughs) it would have been really good. But that's where I'm like, maybe somebody's looking out, you know, (laughs) business, the socialist business gods.
1: Yeah. I, uh, I mean, I'm, I, uh, am going to talk to some kids that are trying to do some music thing and they're pretty young and they want to blow all their money on stuff that they think that like, uh, successful people have. And it's like, no, you need to spend your money on people that are starting at nothing. Like you, that's where you need to, you need to f- Figure out um, what the person who has nothing, how they turn that into a media company, how they turn that into a podcast, and you need to live like that. You don't need to go and say like, well, if I'm going to podcast, I need like Howard Stern's equipment. You know, I need to spend $5,000 on a setup to record my podcast, you know. Um, yeah. You have to let the money, co- the money decides what you do. You know, you keep moving. And if people are saying, hey, we love this, and they keep putting more towards you, you just run with it. And you know, and that that's how you get that stuff. You don't get it like the the equipment the all of that stuff doesn't make you into it you know it's it's the practice it's going through the motions you know it is brokering the deals licensing the contact content doing the paperwork that's how you become a fucking business like you make money you don't do anything else you don't have like a great idea you don't have a great team that works together you make fucking money like that's how that's how your business can yeah gets gets anything done
2: exactly it's crazy
1: though you we were talking a little before the show about paying people to make memes and how weird that is for some like, um, <clears throat> sorry, I got like the driest throat in the world.
2: What are you drinking? It looks like you're drinking like a, one of those um, white claw things or whatever.
1: No, no, this is, it's a thin can. Um, it's bell V bold, cherry lime, sparkling water. It's kind of like the uh, Sonic slushy flavor, but wow. it's just the Aldi water. Um, but like when I posted in the group, I was like, Hey, I need people to make memes. I'll pay you for them. And then there was a lot of people that commented and said, what you're getting paid to make memes. That's hilarious. Blah, blah, blah. But like, I am actually not good at that. You know, I am not, I did not grow up on Photoshop and I never took a knack to it. I could learn. And I think I'd probably spend 90 minutes making a meme and looking at tutorials the whole time. And then I know that there's people that listen to my show that can do it in fifteen fucking minutes. You know, like they just can do it while they're like also doing their job. It's nothing, you know. And I can send, and so I can. I'll send you ten dollars for that because if a thousand fucking people like it, if three hundred people like it, that's money. You know, like that cat, like that brings people into the group that is added value to listening to our shows. You get these funny fucking images, but at the end of the day, it's just astonishing how many people fall to the side, you know, folks that could make, you know, a hundred bucks a week making memes just, you know, I, I don't know. It's hard to find someone that can do that regularly and keep it together. You know,
2: it really has been like for us, people who do it professionally, who have like their own workflow, their own systems where they've been doing it for like, either other entertainment networks or cable state, like people that do like memes or who've done it for even like small digital media companies have like workflows, they have invoicing structures. It's like, it's like, a you know, it doesn't feel like a silly, weird guilt, like filled thing to them. And so it's like, that's been really uh, positive and fun. I feel like though, like what is my audio still coming through? Yeah. I feel like with running a, a small like business with no money it's constantly a battle of like should i learn this skill in order to save money for the, <laughs> the business or should i pay an expert who's better at it to do it for me yeah. and like like when we were doing the fundraising campaign last march and we started to do all those videos i was looking at like how are we going to color grade all these videos like, i'm not a colorist like this is going to be about 300 per video, which is going to add another $12,000 to this fucking $40,000 campaign. So I'm like, how are we going to do this? And it was like, I looked into it. I'm like, I already do editing. And so I'm familiar with like some things I've sat in on a lot of color grading sessions before. So I like bought a fucking like color wheel ball thing. I got, I like got the program. I like spent a bunch of time. And so then I color all of our videos to save money now. But it's like, now I'm trying to learn like cinema 4d and like, 3d software stuff to see if i can like help there and it's just like is this really like is this what i should be doing with my spare time to try to like add value to the co-op or like should i be you know that's constantly what i'm trying to figure out
1: yeah i mean you know uh i I guess that that is tough because i also feel like brian is like oh you know you like doing spreadsheets (laughs) which i mean i don't i fucking do
2: you talk about them a lot though you do like love organizing stuff i do
1: but yeah that's good that is true i do like writing functions in spreadsheets and i do like that you can make color palettes and you can make things bold and you can make certain information pop and i do like organizing everything that makes me feel comfortable for Mm -hmm. sure um but I would also rather be like using those skills for like drawings, like making a shirt design, um, for doing like extra live streams for recording stuff like this. I mean, the reason that I'm doing this right now, uh, and I've recorded several extra podcasts in the last couple of weeks since we've gotten back from tour is because Katie is finally taking over the booking and Katie you know, I mean, it's rough. No, it doesn't make any sense. It's something that, like, most people can do. Most folks, uh, sorry, those waters are real bubbly. Uh, so wow, that's impressively bubbly. Uh, Katie is like learning the ropes in like the hardest way possible, just going up against people through email, getting treated like right. shit. I had to step in for like that southern tour and like, interject myself into these conversations so that they take her fucking seriously and shit. And, uh, but now everything is like very well ahead of itself for them. I'm finding myself right now with a lot of extra time. I've mostly just been like, just browsing. Like I've just been losing myself online, looking at stupid shit, like looking at like bootleg fucking clothing. All like. Or just not even no, no intention to buy it, but just like can't stop looking at it.
2: Yeah. I've been, uh, I've been, I'll like get into weird YouTube black holes where I'll watch like a, like a million ways to cook like a cucumber or something. <laughs> uh, It is, I just have to constantly, it's like, also we post videos almost every day. And so it's like, I want to kind of check and see like how things are performing, like what content's doing best, but it's such a black hole. You can just get fucking sucked into.
1: Yeah. uh, I mean, you know, I, I, I gotta say, and this is advice to anybody that is trying to do, I mean, literally anything, whatever it is, like right now you can access people on the internet very free. In very cheaply. And like, if you just post and you don't worry about who likes it or who responds or how many hearts it gets, like eventually the stuff will make sense. You'll, you'll realize what people are responding to more. And you, you know, like the overthinking that people have about when and what they post, I really got lost in it for a long time. I don't think I'm the best at social media, but I definitely quit beating myself up about it and saying, Hey, Hey, you know, I'm going to stop worrying about making sure that we have five posts scheduled a day or whatever that is. And just right. put it, You I mean, I just put it out there and that gives it context. You know, if it's three thirty in the morning and I post an article, someone knows that I'm somehow up super late reading this crazy fucking thing. You know, it's way different than me doing an auto schedule and waking up in the morning uh, at one in the afternoon to a bunch of comments that don't make sense anymore because I didn't even know what I was thinking last night when I posted it, you know?
2: Definitely. I mean, it's also like, it's like people, it's like, if there's also, if you're running a business, like you have to do your own social media for like years, like,
1: yeah,
2: nobody else can do it for you. So it's like, you are constantly trying to get, you're being like, this is taking up too much of my time. I have to find somebody else to do this. And then it's like, okay, now this is taking up even more of my time. So you're constantly like, I have to do this myself and it's like everything that gets posted on Twitter especially is so cringy within like two months. It's like it doesn't even fucking matter. Like, yeah. all, It's just so based on the daily conversation or whatever that, uh, you know, it's just you have to just like let it go and just know you'll be owned someday.
1: Yeah. I mean, no, it took me down. I mean, Twitter, I think over the last two or three years, once we got it, once they got into the screenshot era where like they were just <laughs> screenshotting people, that's when I was done. Like I was just didn't want to be. I didn't want to be out there like that and have people saying shit about me. Um, but I've returned recently and just post whatever I want and I've got a better relationship, but I, it took a very long time of being away from it and meditating, getting completely frustrated with it and not wanting to be involved, uh, personally at all with it. But I I have realized that all the, all the pressures involved with it are from me they're not from other people no one in my life is like saying brett you're not on there enough like i'm just so fucking sad about it you know but i do realize that like now if i do feel like i want to post instead of taking a lot of time to hem and haw about whether i should i should just run with it because it's all fucking right tears in the rain they all just disappear like you don't need, you know it, they they're gone so uh that kind of those kind of things also lead me to just post whatever I want and try to be just more in the moment and say, like really try to explain to somebody, this is why I posted this thing. This is why I wanted to share this Um, and not have it be, you know, sales, sales stuff. You know, uh, here's Brian had it. Me and Brian had an interesting situation where we worked with somebody and uh, they told us, they, they actually told us that they were pissed off at us that we didn't do a tweet for them, you know? And and it's just it's understandable because I, I, I know that, like I was saying before, you feel like if you're in the big leagues, people tweet about you. You have the right instruments. You have the right stuff. You're one of the big leaguers. But like when Brian tweets about the show, people do not give a fuck at all. He will tweet something like uh, slept in my jeans last night and it'll get 500 likes. And he'll say, I'm really proud of this no- new show that we put out, and it'll get four likes. Like, and nobody will respond. No one will even say, I mean, it is like incredible. People do not, like, people at this point know where to get your shit, you know? And you need to penetrate through that and just, you know, live alongside them in, you know, with your own voice and adding your own context to the world, not trying to think about what what is going to perform the best, you know?
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's like, uh, especially for podcasts and like, uh, a lot of content creators, it's like people know, yeah, where to find your shit. People, you know, you don't need to be doing avid. Like you're just by Brian tweeting about sleeping in his jeans. That's generally self-promoting of like the street fight radio brand. Right. Like all it all works on itself. What's weird is like where, we're like starting a Twitch network with a bunch of personalities and I'm like consulting them on how to do their social media in order to increase engagement and get more, you know, it's like, I'm, it's like uh it feels like all bullshit, the stuff I'm having to talk about all day, but it's like a lot of it is kind of substantive. Like, you know, it's, it is helpful if you can do these kinds of tweets, like, if you do instead of retweet you do an original tweet that's funny that quote tweets another thing like that helps to increase engagement like but that's like how granular my fucking days are sometimes it's just like talking to people about the best formats for tweets or
1: the best formats for sharing things on social to get more reach stuff like that and I yeah and I mean I definitely paid attention to that stuff in the beginning um you know, but you you like. That is kind of That uh, I think, you know, like the same thing with the way I like to organize data. I like to have that kind of information. That's what keeps me motivated to keep moving. Like that, that was in the beginning. That was probably what was keeping me of into trying all kinds of different things, uh, out and putting them all out there to kind of just see what people like about me. You know, what makes, you know, me an attraction, uh, right. nice thing, but
0: no, what's I agree. Happening?
2: it definitely becomes less important over time. It, it just becomes about what you're like a, in our case, what the content is yeah. and like that ended or not, you know?
1: But yeah, I mean, and it, it, and then we also do, um, you know, I, I don't know what the pursuit of all this is, but there is a matter of creating like a, some sort of, uh, celebrity culture that is outside of the mainstream, uh, that can elevate people into, you know, figures uh that you know are welcoming that are radical that are on some different shit than what we've seen before you know uh and so part of what the part of the reason that anybody makes it on TV is because their parents were rich and they probably live in LA. I mean, that's how everybody gets on the radio. That's how everybody gets on fucking TV and in the movies. So we don't have access to that. You know, podcasting gave me and Brian the opportunity to create something that was from Ohio. That was from Columbus. And that was, uh, you know revolves around what it's like to be here and what our culture is and um, that's something that isn't shared in media elsewhere and so no one there isn't like uh, um, there isn't a PR trainer to come and say to me and Brian you need to try doing these things or this would be better or uh, consider this or that you know I mean I, I have to do to research that I have to spend a time researching myself is, is how I got that done you know.
2: Yeah, exactly. And it's like, I want to, it's like, I think what you're saying exactly like we need to be pushing forward a sort of slate of left celebrities have enough of them and a diversity in of, in them so that if one or two or three becomes whatever shitty or falls, like there's still a, a remaining front of people that are elevating these ideas, talking about these things. Like, so you know, I I totally agree. It's like I want to be a person that helps different people get a leg up, and like helps be a producer with them, and like figures out what they want to do or how they want to say stuff, and finds like a good.
1: All right, uh, we dropped the connection there, so I don't know what the fuck we were just talking about. Uh, something regarding uh, having you know people out there that are entertainers and performers that also get a little bit of training, right?
2: Yeah. I and mean, I was just saying, like, I think a lot of people and I, myself included in this, like really want validation and like affirmation from people who are already successful within whatever field we're passionate about. Yeah, And, uh, we want to like achieve the highest levels of whatever dumb field we're interested in. And it's like, as soon as you get there and you start seeing like, okay, this is basically the highest level of this industry or this field or whatever, it's like, oh, this sucks. Like everybody is miserable. Like this is all just, you know, built up in the culture. Like it's not
1: actually that cool or. Yeah. Well, you should share your own story about that though. Like, cause I don't think people know that you were like making commercials and like living in a bomb ass apartment when you were just a kid.
2: Yeah. I mean, I got out of high school and I went to film school for a few months, and then I just started working on commercial sets as like a PA, and then as a camera assistant, and then as a camera operator, and then a DP, and then I got to direct a few things, and then I got to produce something, like all within a very short period of time. And I think it was like if I would look back in ten years and be like, why would I up so quickly? Part of it is I just look like all the guys who own the production companies first, like they all <laughs> really look exactly like me. You do get uh, that swag. You got that same
1: swag. <laughs> like it's a weird, yeah all of it. Uh you wear like functional clothing and you're not standing out. Yeah, exactly. Like I just would
2: I remember literally just like buying the clothes I saw that the other the like production company owners had.
1: So I would just look like them and walk in like See, hey, That's a move, dude. That's just that's <laughs> a manipulation, that's snaky And I tell you what, I mean, I I I would not profess on the show that you, that we should be changing ourselves. But like, if you want to get ahead, I did the same goddamn thing, man. I would go to the thrift store and just buy shirts with horses on them, the little Ralph Lauren horse, or I'd buy like a, buy a top flight. Fucking polo, they'd be like, you can't wear shirts with graphics on them. I'd walk in there with my top flight polo. They'd they'd be like, Well, what about that? And they're like, No, he's that's a he's allowed to wear that. That's a polo. Because they were all wearing top flight polos, you know, like they weren't they're gonna like they weren't gonna stop it. Like so looking like them made me they were like, Yeah, he's one of us, you know? This guy's going somewhere.
2: Yeah, exactly. Like, uh yeah, so I mean I did a lot of that and I um I had a friend who already worked in the industry who introduced me to a lot of people. And that was huge. And then it was just like, basically the rule of done is just like be a nice guy, like be super easy to work with, be affable, be down to like work with whatever amount of money the company has, like do the work, show up on time. So it was just like that kind of stuff for a while. Um, and I did like commercials for like Google and like GM a lot. And like uh, Ford and like all the fucking car companies. And it was just like, you're, it was the the reason why it was happening in addition to the way I looked was because there's a fracture going on within the marketing industry where like marketing companies like ad agencies are realizing that they can just pay dog shit for video and somebody will do it. Like somebody will agree to do it and the, all the equipment is so cheap now that it'll probably look decent enough. And so like, I like when I started budgets were even like 200, 300,000. And by the time I got out budgets were like 80,000, 120,000 for like, really big expensive campaigns. Um, and so it was like you're in the highest level, you're producing like this high end content, but it's like there's never enough money to actually do what you're being asked to do. Everybody's feeling, you know, under the pressure, like feeling the pinch, not getting paid what they should be. And it's just like if if I'm gonna feel the pinch and it's gonna working in this shit is gonna be stressful and hard, I might as well not be doing that f- for like GM, you know, and like yeah. try and figure out a way to do that in a productive manner. And so that's when Naomi and I started means and she worked in like, Naomi worked in PR for GM. Like she worked in advertising. So we both like came from yeah, that yeah. background. And that's why it's like, I think one of the strongest like parts of means is just our ability to advertise our ability to sell ourselves. Like that's what I think we've been doing most since yeah. the beginning.
1: Yeah. That's a, and you know, and I was, <clears throat> I'm a, I hate being corny like this, but there is, an artist that I know that I'm talking to that, I mean, I haven't talked to you yet, but I'm going to possibly do like a mentoring thing, meeting with them. And, you know, they're 19, 20 years old. And I just want to say, you know, I, I wouldn't expect to go in all in on like your creative, your music or your podcast or whatever it is, I wouldn't expect that to just pay off immediately. In that, you can get a job that is more than just a paycheck that will get you like practical skills you can use elsewhere. It's incredible how much of Street Fight is successful because I got to, I did spreadsheets at other jobs, I did sales at other jobs. Um, I had to manipulate all these situations via email. I got used to doing deals. I got used to doing business. You know, Brian is so uncomfortable with it. Whenever I just say to somebody like, "How much do you want to get paid for this?" and he's just like, "Oh, geez, wow, who says that?" <laughs> and I'm like, well, "You talk about all goddamn day on right. the show how I'm not going to do anything. I'm here for the money. I'm here to get paid." And it's like, well, we have to talk about that at some point, like um you know we have to figure out how to make this thing so that we both want to do it you know
2: dude i remember like working in production like i would get a call like 8 p.m and it would be a friend who runs a production company he'd be like we need to find a sloth for a shoot by tomorrow morning and it would just be like uh okay and you just spend all night for like two thousand dollars or like spend a few days just calling places all night answering calls from the production company trying to get status updates like and a it's sloth. like sloth. yeah trying to find a
1: sloth a like sloth. a sloth yes yeah know also, that was like an industry term for, for
2: <laughs> <some>. <laughs> no like for just for some fucking stupid like out of nowhere they're like yeah he said like zebra. he said he wants a zebra right yeah like i remember one time i was super proud of myself because I found a 3d printing company that used a specific type of material that was also used in this auto component that we were doing an ad for. Like, so I was just like, you had to like go through all the local 3d printing shops in the, in the region and then find which one to call them all, figure out what materials they were printing to like ridiculous, like, but all of that, I feel like, yeah, prepared me to deal with the sort of chaos of running this business. And like, at the end of my kind of commercial career, I, I was starting to have friends getting in into like, like the LA kind of narrative scene a little bit more pitching, like more projects starting to do like the indie film circuit. And so I was kind of seeing, like I feel like I could start doing more entertainment stuff, but then I'd like read all the scripts and I'm like, <sighs> yeah, <laughs> like, hard, you know, and that really, yeah.
1: Hard to sit through.
2: Yeah. So it was like, I think I'm if I'm going to spend a bunch of time creating entertainment, I want to have some level of like, you know, I want to like what I'm working on. Uh, And it's like, generally what I learned from advertising is like, whatever the director wants to do, like, don't fuck with it. Like offer a, a little bit of creative, like positive feedback, but like, don't fucking try to change people's visions or be like, I want to do it this way. Like that's what like 50 year old clients do. And it ruins shit every fucking time. Like (laughs) all the directors we work with, like I really try to constantly remind myself of that. Like I'm the executive producer. I'm like having to oversee a level of quality and like make sure that the end viewer will be satisfied with the product. But I also very much try to like not change people's visions or like not fuck with scripts as much, you know, like, it's it's a fine line obviously but it's like I'm constantly trying to remind myself to like don't fuck with their shit
1: yeah absolutely uh so we you came along with us for the hellfire congregation tour how did you feel about that it was very fun I had a great time I was
2: like wiped out for like a week and a half after
1: but yeah, we, yeah I mean I was awful when I came back I was just so fucking angry and <laughs> It was only because I was exhausted. I just was so exhausted that I couldn't muster up the courage to even like smile. Um, I, I, you know, so. Because you didn't even lose that
2: much money. Like it did, you made money on it. Like it was, you know, and you kind of knew it wasn't gonna be like a huge boon like while we were out there but you got back and you were like i'm all fucking tired i have like not that much more money in my pocket
1: yeah like you were gonna do brett for like a few days i was very miserable and we still have like a billion fucking shirts sitting down here that like are just potential money like i want them to be real money
2: you, know? you want to have a real business conversation right now i uh i don't think that printing on union shirts is a viable way to sell merchandise going forward really? i think that- The the cheapest we can get is $18 a shirt. And if you do drop shipping, like if we were to go to like Teespring or something, like you can get US made shirts and you can sell it for $18 and make $7 back. Like it just, it's just, it's like if I'm making t-shirts out of the goodness of my heart, then I should absolutely buy the nice union made ones, you know, all that. But it's like, if I'm trying to make money, which is what we have to do in order to keep this business fucking afloat, it's like, there's no way to... It's like no
1: man. I get them cheap. What do what are you paying per unit on uh, shirt? Usually, if it's like, uh, tw- it's usually about thirteen bucks per. It's like they're f- but remember the fucking like Trailblazers had four
2: dollars shirts. It's like that's and they're U.S. made and they're better, like all like. We you know, ordered 200, movies, man, like, I want to...
1: Those were fucking gilded-ass shirts. Those things look cool, but they're crunchy, thick T-shirts. I agree that they're crunchy, thick T-shirts, but I will say that I ordered a bunch of new T-shirts,
2: and, uh, like, uh, we had probably 10 to 20 shirts that just were falling apart at the seams that we couldn't even print on your shit slapped. All right. Well, we'll talk I'll talk to your supplier. I just feel like it's like also the drop shipping element of just being able to have a web store and then people can just order shit like I'm not managing supply yeah. chain. No, that makes sense so, for sure. Um, but I'm also conflicted. We've just had a lot of conversations about like to what degree d- d- is the union but give me your thoughts.
1: <laughs> it depends how many shirts you're pumping out. I mean, we do enough right now. I mean, I have to pack up I mean, less than five shirts a day, you know, uh, it's it's really a matter of storage space. I mean, they take up a lot of room, but uh, really, I guess where I, I lose all the money, just like making sure everybody gets paid and like putting money towards um, charities and stuff like on the guys, gals and non-binary pals, it's like that shirt was $13 to make. And then I paid destiny, the designer, which I mean, I mean, that design is great, right? But very simple to make. But I promised her $2 a shirt instead of just, like, paying her $80. So she got paid out, like, $700 for that design. So that bumped the price up to, like, 15 cost per. But then I did the 10% thing. uh, So people were paying $28 for the shirt. That was, like, you know, after... After fees, I mean, at two sixty went to the Mosaic Center. So basically, overall, with product, with cost and everything, this shirt cost me eighteen bucks to make and to raise money, and then we sold them for twenty eight. So you know, we made ten dollars on it. Yeah, I mean, that's if, decent, it was, right? if it was thirteen and you sold it for twenty eight. I mean, you'd make fifteen bucks. That's better than Teespring, you know
2: yeah totally and i think that i mean it's yeah it is true like I, we're designers we work with we have to pay like probably more per unit but i want to figure it's like i'm not trying to not do union shit it's just fucking like no
1: i get the front not, not
2: it's like even you guys it's like you guys need you guys need money like you need yeah. liquid fucking cash like All of you, everything you do is totally defined by like how much capital
1: you have to like give to other people. Spend. We fucking screw ourselves royally too. I mean, we're going to have to change it. Like the zine, the reason that it's not, we're not so, I'm not so excited to get it done is that because for all the work and effort that goes into it, like we fucking lose money on that thing. If someone just signs up for $5 and gets the digital zine and watches our videos, we get like... You know they take ten percent, so we get like four fucking four forty nine or something of every five dollars. But like on the zines, we take twelve. If like if someone gets an extra, we take twelve dollars from them. By the time we're done, and by the time I pay everybody, we're getting you know three ninety seven or maybe four thirty two on it. You know the regular zine after we pay and get it shipped. I mean we're getting the same amount of money, but you're we're putting in so much extra effort, and it's totally like. We have to like step up. This is the point where, yeah, I need to just say, like, I need more money to do this because it's not worth it at all to have some have do nothing for somebody and get five dollars and then do all of this thing, all of this for somebody, and then also just get five fucking dollars at the end, you know?
2: Well, it's like, and this is the type of shit we've talked about a lot in the past is like, like between your guys' Patreon and how to turn the actual Patreon dollars into fully profit and then also like how the fuck means TV makes any amount of money. Like we've been having tons of conversations around that. And it's like, we're just as the left, like figuring out like the right wing has been running profitable businesses and unprofitable businesses for fucking decades. And like the left for a long time has been sort of like, I you mean, know, we've like, there's been a lot of organizing. There's been a lot of like activism. There's been a lot of nonprofit organizations, community but there has stuff, yeah, community radio and shit like that. Right. But it's Like we don't have for-profit institutions on the left that are trying to generate capital to use for anti-capitalist means, like we are. Yeah. So it's like this is all uncharted, and it's like, how do you exist within capitalism, be a profitable business that can compete and like stay afloat, pay your bills, pay your lawyer, and also align with anti-capitalist values?
1: Yeah, and make sure that yeah, make sure that everything, yeah, like you said make sure that it all is in line. I mean, I want to do it the right way. I mean, I charge that amount. Um, I charge $28 for a shirt and I know what it's, who's getting, uh, sorry, I've charged $28 for a shirt and I know who th- is getting paid for it. How much is getting made. And I mean, at the end of the day, I, I would rather just ask for extra money on that than, you know, go and sell $18 shirts uh online and have them sent to people, people's house, you know?
2: Yeah, and it's like, I think I can, especially if the quality of the shirts are fine, like your guys' shirts are always, from the quality I've always seen them, uh, they're fine. So it's like, yeah, I'm totally open to it.
1: Um, I'll mail you some. I'm going to mail you a couple so you can review it.
2: Yeah, yeah. I just
1: I'm tired of like fucking uh, trying to like, you know. I yeah. I just keep it's getting burned. Like, when you do the right thing and then you know. Yeah, it's everybody that does the right thing isn't great at it, you know. Or you know, not every union is holds up quality standards, you know, that you you would expect. Uh, so it, it is very disappointing when you like. I want to do the right thing, and you know, people. I mean, I've had so many people that like just. Sit and sit and tell me all about Teespring. They're just like, hey, I heard about this thing called Teespring. You should try this and this and that. And I'm just like, I I mean, how I, I have to explain to you why I, I just don't feel comfortable doing that. And you're gonna be bummed out about it. You're gonna think I'm <laughs> accusing you of being a bad yeah. person. And like I, I really don't know how to respond to the conversation anymore, you know? Like I don't want you to think that I think I have higher ethical standards. I'm just going to do my stuff in my own way and uh you know, live or die on my own. But I would rather, you know, do that. And, you know, it sucks that you had that experience. Uh, You know, I I wish I could have helped you uh, put you in touch with my guy.
2: I mean, and it's always like, you know, you know, that I always end up deferring to you, like, you're the person who's been running a business for eight years, and I've been running one for two. So it's like, you know, especially when it comes to like, how people will react to things, what what, you know, it's like, you're the one who's made the mistakes, learn from them, like, I'm not trying to just fucking fall on my face and make all the stupid mistakes that everybody else has. Like, obviously I'm making tons of my own mistakes every day and learning from them. But, um, you know, so I do, I, I trust you and I defer to you. And if you think that's the best route, you know, I agree.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, and you know, that's, yeah, that's something that I I don't know. We could, we can work on a solution to that too. Uh, it's a matter of like, you know, how much merch is going to be going out the window, you know, like if if we were a popular rock band that was selling a couple hundred shirts a day, like if I didn't want to hire somebody, it might make sense to do print on demand, but... You know, for us doing this like slap together fucking thing, uh, having a box, having a an extra bedroom that's filled with T shirts that you have to mail out every once in a while is just like part of business, in my opinion. You know, I also just dread becoming like
2: the Trillbillies and having there be like a whole like, "Where's my shirt?" <laughs> like, yeah, like ship with, with the audience, but
1: yeah, I think um, I'm, you know, and I, w- I w- I'm wondering honestly, like, I don't know. I don't want to step on people's toes too much and I don't have too much like capital to throw around, but I would, I was thinking about possibly trying to take over the distribution because I want to make way more. I want to make a lot more street fight shirts. And I'm wondering if I could just take care of it for like the trail and the Sam's and means TV and have either separate shops or just one place where people could go to get their podcast merch. Because if if there is enough coming in and if I can shave off money to keep somebody employed to do it. And, uh, you know, we are trying to plan on, you know, getting our own spot soon or not soon. I mean, whenever we can afford it, but, um,
2: I, I, that's I mean you could do. it. I mean, you could probably make money doing that for everybody. It's only going to, the merch sort of things are only
1: going to expand. I mean, everything would the model that I've done, which is because I never wanted to make. I hate fucking making t-shirts, dude. I mean, I'm just like, it sucks because they're just extra f- trash in the world. But everybody does need like shirt. Sure. I do understand people need shirts, and people like to represent the things they like. We do live <laughs> in a covered up society. Um, but uh, like the pre-order, it makes me feel way more comfortable to just say whoever wants this, you can get it right now for cheap. And then we're, I order a bunch of extras and then th- that's the, you know, that's the model that's worked for us. I'm not like getting any credit or anything. I'm not going to try to buy like 500 shirts and try to sell them. I did make that mistake with this hellfire tour though. I overshot way too much. I don't know why I thought so many people were going to buy shirts. Um But yeah, definitely regret that. But I, I just, did, I didn't have the time to get the pre-orders in and that's like, working within the means of what I can do, working within our own budgets and not extending ourselves or risking the business over the merch is a uh, very important in the balance, you know?
2: Yeah. And it's like, even to like, like, I think we're, we're going to do some like meme kind of shirts and it's like, we're, we're expecting to hopefully try and sell like a few thousand a month and like really put, do some paid advertising behind them. But it's like, even to buy like, 2000 shirts on wholesale could like bankrupt us. Like, so I don't know. It's like, it's kind of also like, yeah, I want to figure out. It's like everything will get easier. And I keep, me and Naomi keep saying this to each other. It's just like, we're in this fucking weird time right now where we're putting out tons of free content just to stay relevant, just like as marketing materials because we haven't launched yet. We're not collecting subscriptions, we're just getting donations from angel people for nothing for just the videos we put out for free. Um, And, you know, like once we have an actual product, it's available on multiple platforms. There's films that you can only find on our our, on our product. Like that's when we'll start to actually see like revenue and like have some money to play around with and like, you know, try to expand and do different things and, you know, maybe invest in like an infrastructure to do our own drop shipping with you and like,
1: so it's like, I'm, yeah, you know where I'm at. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, well, that's, but, you know, I mean, on the tour, as it was really funny because I was talking to people outside and someone's like, hey, have you heard of that means TV before? <laughs> Which was weird because I didn't, they must have never saw us in the videos, I guess. But I was like, yeah, yeah, I heard about it. They're like, man, I can't wait. Like, I'm, I'm going to sign up as soon as that thing comes out. So I think, uh, I mean, the response, <laughs> huh? Please. Well, I mean, but I I heard that from a few people that were really excited for it. Um I don't think they're going to take it upon themselves. There's a lot of people that aren't going to take it upon themselves to give you money without getting something for it. So yeah. once that launches, that's going to switch, but that's like a huge challenge though because how do you make like how do you how do you have enough to satiate somebody? Like somebody is signing on to a streaming platform how do you have enough to scroll through so that they feel like they've got their money's worth in the world of streaming where people have thousands of options, you know?
2: Yeah, and it's like, that's the whole part of like, we didn't, you know, we 500,000 would have been a small streaming library to start. It would have been some, you know, high-end original shows, but it's like, we're doing it with $100,000. And so it's like, we'll have, I think, I think we have three movies that, one or two of them will be only available on our platform. We'll have uh, some series from around the world. We'll have uh, some original shows also only available on the platform. So it's like when when the platform launches, there'll probably be like 12 to 14 things on there. You know what I mean? Like we'll try and like make it look like a lot, but it's just like now that we're launching with so little money, it's like, we have to have a small library to start of really quality stuff and then just keep rolling out like our new, a new show for the fall, a new show for this and keep trying to put like stuff you like, like a a show that everybody wants to talk about. Everybody enjoys the only place you can find it is on means TV.
1: Right? Yeah. That's challenging for sure. But, um, um, yeah, dude, I I was going to say, I thought I had something else to say, but I forgot it. Um, I had something to say. I feel like I always have something to say. Uh, What's up? Oh, it was so funny.
2: (laughs) I'm I'm reading things down because I've been forgetting them. Uh, Can you hear me?
1: Yes. (laughs) Go ahead. Okay, cool. Um,
2: I was just thinking about how when uh, I came to film you guys at the Canna Carnival for the first time, I had like no – idea of like anything to do with it like even the juggalo march i had like no idea what i was doing it for like it was just like to go do it because it was fun and like it was like uh nobody else was doing it Uh and um yeah i think i like i've been working on the the juggalo march video is going to come out in three days on the anniversary the two-year anniversary so i've been just working lately and it's just such a fun video it's just like uh such a nice time where i like wasn't feeling like I'm running a, a whole co-op with like bills and responsibilities and outgoing payments. It was just filming for fun.
1: Yeah, it's, it really is. Um, I mean, that's what I want to get to uh, t- some sort of, you know, creative thing that's outside of this or not outside of, but just get back to it and not have it always be involved around like writing checks and paying people and shit and making sure that we're deadlines are happening and that, you know, Posters are in order. Like, the biggest problem, I mean, the biggest thing I'm focusing on right now is making sure that I'm not bottlenecking stuff, um, because that's like a big problem when you have, I mean, that's small business tyrants. That's how they work. They have to be the center of everything. You can only trust their opinion and everything revolves around them, but everything's also a shit show because nobody can move forward until, you know, they say so. And I'm trying to give away as much agency as I can, um, so that I can, don't have to, uh, constantly be doing that shit, you know?
2: Yeah. I feel the same way. Like trusting people you work with is super important. And like, it's also like you and I know it just comes down to money. Like if you and I had fucking $50,000 a month coming in between us and means TV or whatever, it's like, that is, that would basically solve all of our problems. Like, yeah, Most of them. And it's like, that's why, you know, I've said this with you and like other people, like the whole means TV idea is like centralize all the valuable media properties that exist on the left. And then by doing that, make them, you know, more profitable by 10 to like 50 times. And then we use that capital to invest in new projects and new enterprising and like reaching more people with our ideas. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like it's like, we just need a capital accumulation machine that exists on the left in the same way. The right has like 50 of them and a bunch of fucking billionaires.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah, we don't get any dark money. We don't get the huge injections of cash. I mean, the best I've got is sometimes a listener is like, Hey, I have a few extra thousand dollars. I'd loan it to you to print some shirts to make money. 0% interest. And I'm like, Oh, it's fine. Thank you. I appreciate it. But yeah, there isn't a lot of funding that goes around for this. And uh, money is what makes the world go around. I'm, and uh it's hard to explain or understand how much of it just disappears through doing stuff but you know sending a zine out to if sending a zine out you know i'm paying a thousand dollars a month in like fucking postage you know like just you know if you send if you send uh 500 um packages in the mail and it costs $1.80 to send every single one of them, you know, like do the math. Uh, right. So $10,000 does look like me and Brian and I are, are bringing in, you know, what, $60,000 a year cash. And uh, it's nothing like that at all. Um, and uh, it, it's, it's really... It, it's just so shocking how much it, it takes to get things rolling. But I also want, we're also trying to move that direction. Um We want to get the Patreon moving up so that we can afford a monthly payment. We want to get like a venue at this point. We're thinking like we want to be on the road to like 20,000 a month, basically. Uh, And that's enough to make sure that like Katie can have a salary and that Jake can have a salary. Um, But it also means that we can pay for, Uh, the rent on something and we want to be able to fly people in and do like a once a month, like big live stream. And I I think that, you know, it's narcissistic or something, but you know, my, my solution and what, the way that I can help is by making this shit look cool and fun and try to create these live environments where people are going to, you know, uh, want to be there i think that's what's really frustrating for me and brian is that you do have so much footage of us and there's all kinds of crummy footage that i took but you have like the really nicely edited fun good shit that you know i think convinces people that they don't want to miss one of our shows uh because it is such a unique thing and um i I was even like (laughs) when we were in los angeles last time there was this like producer-looking dude that was in, like, a blazer with, like, a a V-neck shirt underneath, you know? Hell, dude, classic look. Yeah, and he was just like, he's like, it's fucking wild, man, because, like, you know, if this was, like, 40 years ago, there'd be something in the paper about how, like... You know, two hundred people showed up to watch these two weird guys you know dance around on their fucking bare feet and talk about beating up their boss, you know <laughs> like but now well, it's, it's just it's not i mean it's just another thing that you can go see. It's just like another Facebook event, you know at this point,
2: well, and that's where it's like to be taken seriously, you got to be making fucking moves, you have to be making money, like you know it's like uh you have to have a presence you have to have a presence, and like you have to be making investments and expanding and like you know investing in like when i say investments i mean like in your own business and like building it and stuff like that like um you know we've been we're like i said we're fucking struggling with money and so we've been naomi and i've been looking at like cooperative business loans we've been talking to lending firms like doing a lot of kind of Not fun bank work, and like you know, we need one hundred and fifty to two hundred thousand dollars in the next six months, basically, to continue operating as we have, and. Like to get a hundred and fifty thousand dollar loan, we're paying seven percent, eight percent interest. So we're basically paying forty thousand dollars, thirty thousand dollars, just to have that money. And it's like, fuck, like, you know, it's like it's not even that much money. Like to pay thirty thousand dollars on additionally. Yeah,
1: Um, I've done that too, and a lot. I mean, we get offered a lot of those like uh, Shopify capital loans and like the PayPal loans and Square loans. And, you know, I looked into some of them because the shirts like fucking drain me, you know, like w- street fight will have, you'll be like, oh look at it. Like we got $7,000 in the bank and then I have to pay $1,400 to an, to the artist and to a, f- to the charity. And then I got to pay $3,000 for t-shirts. And so we're down to $2,000 again. And- right. I'm doing all the math and it's like, well, when this is all said and done, we're going to make $2,000 on these t-shirts. But if I get a loan to cover the money until we sell them all, it's going to cost me $600. It's going to cost me $700 to get a loan, which takes our profit from $2,000 down to like, you know, 1300, $1,200, you know, like it's, that is a, it's a lot of fucking money. Those loans will fucking kill you. The banks say, take so goddamn much, um, and they they will get it, no matter how they you know they uh they will always get their fucking money, you know,
2: and it's like you see people do a twitch stream or something and they raise a fucking like fifty thousand dollars a hundred thousand dollars, and it's like there's money out there to be made like people it's not like it you know it I see Kickstarters for fucking stupid-ass camera equipment with like $4 million, you know? Well, that's it's like I don't, don't want a bank to give me money that I have to pay them back plus another $30,000. You know, it's like I want somebody to just give me money to do shit.
1: Well, that's what's so wild about, like, even when we did the guys and gals non-binary pal shirt, we did the thing where people could pay half price for a shirt. And when we did the tickets, like, everything just worked fucking out. Like, there, people had enough extra money. There was enough, like, you know high earners that listened to the show and that threw in enough that I didn't have, there was no situation that arose from it. Like it pretty much by the end of it, when I did all of it, like we were pretty much even like the, it, it was great. There was no, like, it wasn't a risk to, to say, Hey, you can pay $10 instead of $20 for my show. Like people wanted to spend the $20 with us. They knew where it was going and what it went towards. And then the people that legitimately that would have fucked them over, took advantage of it. And and like, it's amazing to engage in things that way because that is, that is capitalism and it's not any better, but it is a different way to handle that situation. And uh, you know, it, it's what, it's what keeps the project moving forward. You know, if we were getting no response and everybody was like, we're only going to pay $10 to get in, we wouldn't be able to do the tour, you know, it wouldn't pay for it. So, seeing the response and that people that have the extra are, you know, lending it and that, you know, when I do fundraisers, somebody always shows up with like a hundred dollars or a $500 donation. Um, it's quite,
2: it's totally incredible. And it's like, I feel like the people like, the audience you guys have built and just people on the left generally are like incredibly sweet, incredibly giving. I do feel like though, increasingly like with all the different projects that exist between us, between all the new podcasts, between whatever, like all the different media available. It's like, sometimes I worry folks are getting tapped out. Like they're just fucking throwing twenties everywhere left and right. And they're like, okay, I need to, you know, and so it's like, that's where it's like, I want to try and reach more and more new people, people that have never listened to any of anybody before, you know? So it's like bringing in like fresh, uh, viewers, like fresh audience that can kind of like walk into it with fresh eyes is something I'm really trying to like figure out, um, from a marketing perspective. And, um, yeah. Yeah. Cause it's like your audience is like incredible. Like anytime you need a, like a fundraiser, like they're all there, they're super active on chats. They're super uh, active in their own communities, like building the face, the you know street fight Facebook page and all that. And it's like uh, a lot of that is just because you guys are like um, individuals that they can see themselves in or get attached to, or feel like they're hanging out with. And uh, that's a huge benefit. And that works in your favor, you know?
1: Yeah yeah and uh, yeah uh, i think that yeah i agree that there is like when i look at the amount i mean our patreon bill is huge but that's just because you know we get enough to pay it but like if i thought in my mind if i wasn't using our patreon money to pay for the patreons that i wanted to hear um i don't know how much i would be paying i don't know if i could pay for like the I don't know if how, you know, if eventually my wife would be like, you're paying $40 a month for podcasts, you know, you gotta, like we have to trim the fat a little bit. We're trying to save for a house or something, you know, uh, it does add up pretty quickly, but then it also, it's hard to pull everything together because then you have to pay for someone to manage everybody, you know?
2: Well, I love, uh, I really like Sam Sacks idea about trying to create some sort of like means radio network or some sort of cooperative, like network infrastructure where people can subscribe like Sirius for like $8 a month. And then they get access to like all these different hosts or whatever. And then that's like a more prop, like there's more subscribers overall because there's a combination of people on there right. and the money is split up. And it's like, not like that's instead of a Patreon, it's just like in addition to your Patreon or whatever, mm. uh, So it's like, I feel like there's kind of over the next few years, we'll come up with solutions to these things. Like the Patreon economy is literally like a baby. It's like four or five years old. Yeah. Like you guys are the ones. And then Choppa who really have like figured out how to use that stuff. So it's like, you know, we're all still figuring it out. And it's also going to just fucking disappear. It's like the same thing with the YouTube economy. Like it's really great that there's so many left YouTubers that are being successful, you know, and making money off monetized channels, but it's yeah. like, how long is that sustainable? Like yeah. how long YouTube allow it? And then it's like, we have to reinvent the wheel again. So yeah. I think we have to continue to build like different media institutions, like even like a cooperative, like uh, socialist anti- or anti-capitalist, like property management company that just like buys up like land with the community and then helps turn that over into like community help. Pro- like there's all sorts of different, projects that can be uh bring in capital like work towards an agenda that we all share and um finance other sorts of new media projects
1: well yeah like tom sexton was saying we could all run like an illegal sports book or something and then we could exactly. cut it in we could cut like uh like a prison abolition fund into like the payout <laughs>
2: Yeah, that'd be great. We could have things like the sting where we end up getting like a bunch of cops all confused and shit. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Perfect. <laughs> uh, the cop, dude is wild. Have you seen the I'm not trying to go long, but I was at Walmart the other day and they had two different things that were called uh, uh lock cops and they're just giant thing poles that have uh cameras on them and sirens. Oh yeah. Ooh you get too close or if they see you doing anything, they just like dispatch a cop. And there was like police pulling people over in the parking lot. It was like, this is a police (laughs) state.
1: Yeah. That's pretty fucking wild. No. When I moved in, uh, when I lived in Dallas, I saw them first there. Uh, There were these scissor lifts. They're like these trailers with a big scissor lift that goes up in the sky. And it looks like a little booth. Like there's someone little, like a person could be in there. Um, but it's just like a camera that fucking watches you and has like lights on it and shit that they can turn on. if Yeah, like you said, if they see you doing something.
2: So fucking weird, dude. Like, I remember like, you know, making out in like parking lots and shit. And I'm like driving through these like the the behind Home Depot and they have like a, a, a lot cop siren built onto the wall in the back. To, and it's just like... Yeah, it's wild. Fucking, where do you go? Like, what the fuck? Like, literally, where do you go to like get away from your house as a teenager like it's just crazy like I
1: I in the world i mean in like the it's just the the world out there the places where they're doing that are like so you know they're just so fucking safe like people are just like at the grocery store and shit you know people are not really trying to cause a fucking problem you know the cops are causing a lot of these problems you know definitely it's just
2: so wild and like and there's all these stories in Michigan too where like a person's just walking out of the grocery store with some shit like walking kind of fast and someone like shoots them because they think they're stealing and it's just like what the fuck (laughs) yeah that's awful Mm -hmm. this is a fun small business tyrant episode though I feel like I hope people don't hate us after this
1: yeah thank you for listening to small business tyrants Um, yes we do hate to pay you sorry but you are uh, you take money out of our bottom line. Uh, I'm Brett Payne. He's Nick Hayes. Uh, see you next time. Peace.